0: Bible with you. I did have a testimony I wanted to give uh, tonight It was really awesome today and uh, asked uh, a question uh, that was a really good question about the lesson he came up to me afterwards and just he had a genuine question about the lesson that I taught and it was really encouraging to me uh, it's really encouraging uh, when people ask questions it shows that they're thinking it shows that the message really uh, you know it not only entered their mind but their heart and they've been meditating and thinking about it and it's really encouraging I just wanted to uh, kind of throw this out there and a lot of times as adults we can come to the we don't want to ask questions and feel like, you know, we've been saved for a while. We, we we kind of know the Bible, but there are times even in my life when I have questions about maybe something that I read or maybe a message. And I, I think I speak for pastor as well uh, when I say that questions are always welcome. No matter how controversial you might think the question is, uh, questions are always welcome. And I get really excited when teenagers ask questions. And so That was really for me this morning. We're to be in Genesis chapter 37. We've been in a series... Uh, the past couple of weeks called Growing from Failures. And what we've been doing is we've been taking the worst failures of the Old Testament and we've been trying to grow from those failures, kind of learn what we can do to not fail in those ways in our life. And then also we've been trying to learn more about who our God is, what, what His heart toward us in those failures. And so tonight we're going to be in Genesis chapter number 37. I'm a really... Uh, I kind of have a confession that I need to make tonight. I'm a very short person. Okay. And if you haven't noticed that I'm only about five, eight, so I'm not a very tall person. And that can be very, very frustrating for me in my life. And I'm not really sure what happened. Neither one of my parents are super short. Uh, I don't know. I don't know really what happened. And it's really bad because most of my college friends are like over six foot. So I feel like a hobbit when I'm standing there. It's really, really bad. And I'm only about five, eight. And so being short, really, really frustrated me. And it's confusing because the doctor kept telling me when I was growing up, hey, the growth spurt will come. Like, you're going to get taller. You're, hey, don't worry. Like the gro- and it never came. So, I don't know what happened. I'm still just as short as I was in like fifth grade. So, uh, I'm not really sure uh, what happened there. But I- I'm a very short person. And earlier this week, I was talking to Gabby about this. Actually, I think it was last week. But uh, I was struggling because I needed a new pair of pants. And so, I went to Walmart and I was shopping, looking through the men's section, trying to find. Sorry, I'm getting a little heated, I'm frustrated. Okay, I was I was in Walmart and I was getting a pair of pants or I was trying to get a pair of pants and I'm looking through the men's section. I'm looking at all the sizes, try a couple on, like trying to figure out what was going on. And and I, so I pull up the first pair of pants and it doesn't fit me. And I'm like, that's okay. You know what? It's, keep it positive. We're gonna go back to the pants. And so I went back to the pants and, and and none of them fit. Reason being is because no one sells pants that are like 30. And also the other problem is is I'm not a skinny person. Okay. I'm um, rather large in the gut area. So um, the problem is, is nobody sells pants that are like 38 in the waist and 28 in the, in the length. So I couldn't find a pair of pants. And so if I want to get a pair of pants, I have to like special order them, which is like $125. That's ridiculous. For short people, to buy a pair of pants that fits them all the rack is like 150 bucks. That's, that's a chunk of money. So I'm having a, a bowl in the back. So if anybody wants to donate to my pants. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, not, I'm not. But I, got, I began to get really frustrated. And I started to think about all of my friends who, who, who could go to the store, they could go to Walmart, or they could go to Express, and they could go over to the pants rack, and they could pick up a pair of pants, and as soon as they get home, they could put it on. They don't need any adjustment. And I began to think about them, and something interesting started happening in my mind. I began to get jealous. Because I was thinking, I was like, man, I wish that I could just go to the store like they can. And I wish that I I could go and just get the pair of pants and put them on right after I get. Like, I wish I had that. And I, I started to get jealous. And as I was preparing for this message this week on jealousy, because tonight we're looking at the failure of jealousy. As I began to study this message, I started to look at my own. And I started to analyze my life throughout this week. And what I learned was there was jealousy in my life in places that I didn't even know were there, because jealousy, although although it, it's a it's a sin that we don't really talk about that much, it's a sin that can consume our mind all the time. And although it doesn't seem like a sin that that is is big, it's not a sin that we talk about. It's one of the most dangerous. In Genesis chapter thirty-seven, uh, what, what what's happening here is two weeks ago we were we, we talked about a character named Abram, right? And we talked about how Abram he he left the, his hometown after God told him to, and he went to a far country and he followed God by faith. And God told Abraham, he said, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And so Abraham didn't have any kids, but he trusted God, and God gave him, gave him a son. His son's name was Isaac. And so Isaac is born from Sarah, and after Isaac gets a little bit older, he has another son whose name is Jacob. Now, now Jacob had a lot of failures throughout his life. Jacob, his name itself, means deceiver right he and he fulfilled that name he was a deceiver he he did not he was not a good guy he he had his fair share of failures throughout his life but at the end of his life there's this moment where he wrestles with god and god he he tells god like i want you to bless me and so after he he does this wrestle with god god does bless jacob and he renames him to israel he names him Israel, and so God is going to fulfill his promise through Jacob, through through Israel. And so Israel, he's got four wives at this point, okay? He, well, two are, that are actually wives, and then two that he basically has kids with. He's, again, not a good guy. And so he's got these four wives, but the problem was is there was only one wife that he really loved, who's Rachel. Rachel was the only wife that he had of the four that he genuinely had a desire to be with. They were and can you imagine the other wives that are there? I mean, they were just kind of pieces of meat. And the only wife that he really really cared about, the only wife that he really loved, her name was Rachel. And so, but the the problem was is that Rachel couldn't have kids. She was barren. And so Jacob or Israel, he spent a lot of time with Rachel, but then he had kids from these other three women. And and so he has 10 listen, 10 kids from these three different women. He he has these kids, he has Reuben, he has Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Naphtali, Gad and Asher. And so he has these 10 children from these three different women and none of them are from Rachel. And she goes years and she is barren. And, and all of the other wives they are having all these kids but but Rachel, she's barren. And and so You can imagine the weight that is on her. But finally, after a while, Rachel, Israel's favorite wife, she has a child. And that child's name is Joseph. And you can imagine Jacob's uh, excitement, right? I mean, his favorite wife just had her firstborn son. And so she gives birth to Jacob. And then she also gives birth to another son whose name is Benjamin. And so Joseph and Benjamin, you can imagine, like, they are the favorites in the family. I mean, Jacob, he loves Joseph and Benjamin more than anyone else right I mean he he loves them because they're the sons of his favorite wife and Rachel after she gives birth to Benjamin she passes away and so now he is the only thing or they are the only thing that he has to remember her and so he loves them. and when Joseph is about 12 years old or sorry 16 years old, he's 16 years old in this passage this story takes place and we're going to pick up in verse number three of chapter three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably. Tonight we're going to talk about the failure of jealousy. And like I said, when I was going through this, week, I was looking at my own life and to say, like, is there an area of my life where jealousy has pursued that area of life? And I'll be honest with you, there were multiple areas of my life where I didn't think that I was jealous before studying this. But after studying this passage, there were there was a moment this past week where I had there some areas that I had. And so, as we're studying this area of jealousy, what I want you to do is I want you to keep your keep your heart, because jealousy is not something that we like to admit. Jealousy is not something that that it's it's not like it, we would say like worry. Right? Worry is a sin. Pastor talked about this couple weeks ago about how worry is a sin and we're so eager to admit me i mean i'm just stressed i'm worried but jealousy is not something that we like to so as we're studying this passage keep your heart keep your mind open ask god hey is there an area of is there an area of my life where jealousy has and so what i want to do real quick is i want to pray and i want you to ask god Hey, open my mind, and show me the area of my let's pray, and we'll get into it. Father, thank you for the night that we have, and I pray that you just open our hearts, and study this, the sin's failure, and I pray that you show us any areas of our life where we may be I pray. That you say, first of all, we're gonna look at the object of their jealousy. Okay, look back at verse number thir- verse number three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. Now, here's the thing. A couple of weeks ago, we learned about David and Bathsheba, right? We, we, learned, we learned about the failure of lust. And here's the thing about lust. Lust and jealousy are very, very similar, but there's a slight difference in the two. So we learned that lust is just a desire for something that God has not chosen to give you. That's what we defined lust as, right? It's anything in your life that you have a je- like a deep desire for that God has not chosen to give you, and you will do anything to get it. And jealousy and lust are very similar, but there's a slight difference. Because lust, what lust does, is it goes after the object. And it says, hey, I want this, and so I'm going to move toward it. But jealousy is different. Jealousy always comes from lust. Jealousy is always, its root is always in a desire. But jealousy does not focus on the object of that desire, jealousy focuses on the person who has the object that you do. And so where lust would say, I want, I want, I want, jealousy would say, I hate that person who has what I want. Think about it. I hate the person who has what I want. See, my lust as a short person would be to be six foot three, right? That's what I want. I want to be Taller. Jealousy would be saying, Jeremy is six foot whatever, Jeremy has what I want, and so I hate Jeremy because he's six feet tall. I don't actually see, see, that's why jealousy is so much more dangerous than lust. Because where lust would say, I want, jealousy says, I hate. And this is exactly what happened to Joseph's brother in this passage. Joseph has these ten brothers, right? And in this passage, the Bible tells us in these two verses that Israel was clearly favoring Joseph over all of the other kids. I mean, he was dad's favorite. He he was the one that, that dad always wanted to sit next to when they went to the ball games. And he was the one that dad always wanted to have that one-on-one time with. And he was the one that dad went out and threw the football with. And he was the one that dad always wanted to spend time with. He, he was clearly favored over all of the other children. And one day, Israel or Jacob, he comes out and he gives Joseph this gift. He gives them the, this coat that it's made of many colors. And, and for us today, we don't really understand the weight of that. But here's the thing. A coat of many colors during this time would have been extremely expensive. The reason for it is because during this time, you couldn't get multiple colored fabrics fabric and i mean you had to travel to one place to, to get one color and you had to travel to another place to get another color and you had to travel all over the, i mean this would have been a very very expensive coat it would have been the equivalent of him giving him like a gucci bag now i mean he, this is like a big deal and so he gives him this gift and the other brothers i mean they're like what? like you couldn't have like sold that coat and like get, split the money between all of us i mean really you're going to give Joseph this coat. And Joseph, heres he's the second youngest one. Reuben, he's the oldest. Reuben should be the one that Jacob or Israel, he, he should be the one that he wants to spend time with. But Jacob doesn't spend time with Reuben. He's with Joseph. He gives him this gift. And even in Arabic culture today, these coats of many colors, you can see them in a fashion state. I mean, you're a big deal if you have one. And so that's where Joseph is now. He has a status in the family unlike any other of the children. But the other 10 guys... They weren't jealous of the Bible doesn't tell us that they were jealous of. Look at verse number three or verse number four. And when his brethren saw that their father loved, their object of jealousy wasn't they could care less about the coat. They wanted their dad's respect. Because during this time, I mean, if you had a good relationship with your father, if you were the besties with the the patriarch of the home, you were a big deal. I mean, you got the inheritance. You would get your father's money, and they wanted that status. And what that shows me is that jealousy is not always over an object. Jealousy isn't always about the truck that that person has. Sometimes jealousy is over status. Sometimes jealousy is because someone else, has the relationship with that person that you want to have a relationship with. Maybe someone is closer with someone else in the church that you want to be close with and you don't feel like you're as close with them and so now you're jealous because jealousy does not always have to do with a physical object. There's always an object of your jealousy, but it's not because what these men wanted, they just wanted the respect of their father. They wanted your jealousy always be with the desire that you're willing to. So let me ask you, what's that, what's that thing in your life that 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 other person has and if anyone else has it for maybe it's a good thing maybe you look at somebody else and they have this good upbringing that that you maybe didn't have maybe they have good parents that maybe you didn't have and and you're like man if i would have had what they had i would have been there and i can't believe this why would god do this to me i'm so i'm so angry because they have the upbringing that i always wanted and so i can't believe god would do this maybe it's a card or a gun. Maybe it is a physical object. Maybe it's that thing that you look at, it and if somebody else can afford what you can't afford, you get angry, and you get upset, and you're like, man, that person just has that good job because because of who their dad is, or you get upset, and you get angry, and you begin to hate because you're jealous. Maybe it's someone else's look. Maybe when you scroll through Instagram, you see that girl, you see that, that guy with the six-pack, or you see that girl who everybody, they're always liking their pictures, and you begin to get jealous over how popular and how much fame and how good-looking someone else. And you begin to wonder, man, why didn't God make me like that person? Why didn't God do that? Why didn't God make me like you're jealous? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's someone else's marriage, and you wish your marriage be like that marriage that couple because your marriage isn't like theirs. And oh, if you would have went to the college that they did, or if you would have had the same parents that they did, you would have had the same marriage that they do, and you'd be upset. I don't know what it is, for you, but I can tell you this. There's something in every side we want bad enough. So what is, what is that thing that's so bad that when you see someone with it, you get that feeling, you, know I mean? you get that pit and you begin to get angry, you feel like you're missing something, you begin to get, here's if you ever that jealousy, because if you're willing to, here's what Solomon's about jealousy. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 4, 4, he, he, he's go, the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a real exciting book because Solomon's just going through and saying about how everything in life is meaningless. So it's super exciting. You should read it. And so Solomon, he's going through, Chapter number four, he says this again, I considered all travail and every right word that for this a man is envied of his neighbor. So so what Solomon says is, hey, I'm looking around and I looked at all of the things that everyone would be jealous about of their neighbor. Like I looked at all of the things that 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 people have that someone else could be jealous over. And here's what he says about it. This is also like it's meaningless it doesn't mean anything because in light of eternity, it doesn't matter. And so what Solomon is saying, and this is harsh, but what Solomon is saying in this passage is anything that you have to be jealous over doesn't matter. It's meaningless. It's because in light of eternity, it doesn't matter. And so whatever it is that when I was going through that list earlier, you were like, man, I know exactly what it is that I'm jealous over. And maybe you even began to get angry when I started talking about it. You know what Solomon says is that it's that relationship that you're pursuing and you're jealous that somebody else has it, it's, it doesn't matter. So why do we spend time being jealous over that the Bible tells us they don't matter? There's a conversation that has never happened. No one has ever gotten to heaven and stood before the pearly gates of heaven and looked at God in the face in all of his glory, stood before Jesus... Looked at him and and you're you're excited. You got all the angels, man. You're seeing family members that that you haven't seen because they passed away. And you're at heaven. You're you're standing before Jesus. No one has ever looked at Jesus and said, "Hey, yeah, this is all great, but why didn't you give me that thing when I was down?" That's never happened. Why? Because when you get into eternity, everything that happened on this earth doesn't matter except for what you did for Jesus. So that conversation has never happened. And so you're not going to get to heaven if you're a Christian. You're not going to get to heaven and look at Jesus and say, hey, why didn't I get that relationship? Or why didn't I have the family that I should have had? Or why didn't you give me this? Or why didn't you give me that? Because it's not going. So why are we jealous? And this is exactly where Joseph's brothers are. They're angry. They're frustrated over something that in light of it, real will not. And for many of us, that we're jealous over that when we get to the real will not. So we've seen the object of the fathers. Uh, let's let's look at the result of look at verse and when his brethren saw That their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. He could not, not only does it say that they hated him, like they despised him. When Joseph was around, his brothers were like, oh boy, great, here comes Joseph again. Nobody likes Joseph. But 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 that it wasn't even that they hated him, it was that they couldn't even say anything good about them. Like to say something good about them would make them about him would make them sick. I mean, they absolutely despise Joseph. And if we look later in the passage. In in verse number 18, here's what the Bible tells us. We're going to read a little bit. Verse number 18, look with me. It says, when they saw him afar off. So so here's what's happening in this passage. What's happening is Joseph's father, Israel, he says, hey, Joseph, go check on your brothers. Your brothers, are out keeping the sheep. I want you to go. I want you to see what they're doing, check up on them. And so Joseph, he's looking all around. Finally, he figures out where they're at. And so he starts walking toward him. It says in verse number 18, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer come. See, what happened before, before this verse is that Joseph, he had had a series of dreams. And so he goes and tells his family these dreams that he had had. And the first dream that he has is that they were all out in the field, him and all of his brothers, and they were all collecting wheat and they were putting it into piles and they were wrapping it up like they would do during this time. And so they had these bundles of wheat and Joseph says, Hey, my bundle, it stood up, but your bundles all bowed to it. And Joseph's brothers are like, like, who is this guy? I mean, you're the, you're like, baby brother? I mean, that would be like, Daniel, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. The next day, Joseph comes in and, and he says, Hey, I've had another dream and, and my dream in, in this time was that the sun and the moon and 11 stars, they all bowed before me. And Joseph's brothers are like, all right, that's it. like, come on, you're lying. I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, really? You had a dream that we're all going to bow to you. Like, that's, that's what we're going to do. We're all going to bow to you and worship. Oh, Joseph's so great. No, we're not going to do that, Joseph, because we hate you. And so when they say in verse number nineteen, "Behold, this dreamer cometh," they were mocking. Him. Oh, here comes a guy has all that. Look at Joseph. Here he comes. In verse number nine or verse number twenty. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we will we will say some evil beast devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dream. So they're still they're mocking him. They're like, hey, let's throw him in, let's kill him and throw him in a pit, and then oh, then we'll see. Like, oh, then we'll see if everybody's going to bow to him. He's going to be dead. And then Reuben heard it. Verse number twenty-one, and he delivered, or yeah, he delivered him out of their hand, and said, "Let us not kill." him. And Reuben said unto them, "Shed no blood, but cast him into that pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out, him, and deliver him to his father again." And so Reuben, he's got, he's like, all right, let's just throw him in the pit. Let's just throw him in there. Let's not kill him. We don't wanna, we don't wanna hurt him. And in verse number three, number twenty-three, and it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit and, it, and the pit was empty with no water. And so when Joseph gets to him, they, they grab Joseph and they strip his coat off of him, his coat of many colors. They rip it apart and they throw him into this. And what happens after these verses is they take Joseph and there's this caravan going by and so sell Joseph all because they were And what this shows you is that your jealousy will lead you, your jealousy, not somebody else's jealousy. And a lot of times we can begin to think, Like, when we're listening to messages like that, we can start to think, oh, man, I wish that person was here to hear this. Like, I wish that, because I know they're jealous about something, but me, no, I'm not. I don't want you to think about other people. Think about yourself. Look at your life, because I can tell you there is an area where this is you, because it was me this week. And so they throw Joseph, they sell him into slavery. They ruin him. This is what happens when we allow jealous to mark. This is what happens. We begin to hurt people. We look at that person and oh, they have what I want. They have they have the family. They have the relationship. They have the the toys. They have they they have the thing that I want. And so we begin to make excuses. We begin to say, man, man, they're only like that because of who their dad is. They're only like that because they had the family. They are only like that because they had the education. We begin to get angry. We begin to get frustrated, and then we begin to gossip about. Because we begin to look at all of the areas of their life where they're not perfect because we're jealous of them. So we need to find some way where, where where they're not perfect. We need to begin to find something that we can bash them about because we don't want to admit that we're jealous. And so we begin to talk about them. We begin to slander them. We begin to get upset with them just because they have something that you want more. If you want to know who you're jealous of, think about the person, right? That's what they did. They were jealous of Joseph. Joseph had what they want, and so oh, here comes the dreamer again. Here comes Joseph. Like they couldn't even say anything nice about them. And so, if we want to figure out who we are jealous of, think about the person you bash that you talk about and think about. You've seen this. Movie. They're jealous of somebody else, and they're like, oh, like as that is, you know, he was just, and they destroy relationships. So when you and the boys like you're out, and you see what they did. Like, did you see how foolish they look? Did you see what they did the other day? Did you see what they posted on Instagram? Like, when you and the girls, you're out to coffee, who's the one that you're, you begin to talk about, you begin to bash, like, is the person that you bash the most? Because if you show me the person that you got to, be, I can 90% of the time show you. And this is why jealousy, because jealousy destroys. Me. And I'm not, I'm not preaching out of spite or anything like that. I'm preaching this message because I don't want jealousy to destroy the church. Because, like I said, when I was studying for this, and there were so many areas of my life where I was like, I need to work. because it's the reason jealousy is so dangerous. It destroys the church, and and Paul wrote about this in the church uh, to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter three. He says, "For ye are yet carnal. Carnal it means worldly. You're like you're more like the world than you are like Jesus." And Here is the reason: For whereas there are among you envying, strife, divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? Paul says, hey, look, if you're jealous, if you're envying something that someone else has, if you are jealous of someone, you are more like the world than you are Jesus. Paul says, look, jealousy isn't cute. Jealousy isn't something that, that we should joke about. Jealousy is a sin. It's worldly. It's satanic. And God hates it. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, look, if you're jealous, you are more like the world. You're being more like the world than you are like Jesus. And then later, so we know that jealousy is worldly, but then later in First Corinthians, Paul says this. In, in 1 Corinthians thirteen, charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not. Accept. Charity. Paul says, "Look, jealousy is not loving. If you are jealous, then you're not loving. You can't be jealous of and love them at the same time. And that's not me. That's the Bible. That's the, in John. In First John chapter four, he says that if I. Here's the thing. If if jealousy is not loving here's why this is so important to everybody to get this. this so important. If jealousy is not loving, like if you're not love, if, if jealousy is the opposite of loving. So if I'm jealous of Alan over something, I don't love Alan. That's what the Bible says. And here's what the Bible says. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he asks, how can he love God? So so Paul says, hey, if you're not love, if you're jealous over someone, you're not loving and then John says, if you don't love someone, then if you say you love God, you're a liar. Because if we're jealous, we're not loving. And if we're not loving toward others, then we can't say we love. Not only does the Bible, though, say that, that this destroys relationships, like it destroys our relationship people. Jealousy destroys our relationship with God, like we just seen. But but jealousy also destroys us. The, the Bible says in Proverbs fourteen thirty, it says, a sound heart is, sorry, a sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy... It, the rottenness of the bone. What Solomon says here is that if you're jealous, it's going to eat you alive from the inside. Like your insides will decay because it's so disgusting. And my concern is, is that we are so okay in our, in our Christian culture now with jealousy that, that many people are just miserable to be around because there's, and we're okay. So we've seen that there's an object to There's a terrible result to but let's look at the cure to jealousy. I never like it when a pastor or a preacher tells me how terrible I am. So let's look at how to fix it. The cure to jealousy. And it's funny because the cure is so simple. It's hard. I wasn't going to do this, but, uh, but I'll, I'll just I was going to have it. The Bible says this in Romans 12. 15. It says, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with those. Now we read that verse and we're like, okay, yeah, we're supposed to rejoice with them who rejoice, weep with those who weep. But the problem is, is we do it backwards. You see, we weep when others rejoice. Like when somebody else gets the thing that we want, we're upset. We're angry. We're frustrated. We weep when people get what we want. When others rejoice, we weep. But then when this person that we hate falls and is mourning, we rejoice. And, and God says, that's not how I want my church to be. I want my church to rejoice when, when others are rejoicing and weep when those are weeping. And we do it back. It's not how God wants it. So So when, when there's something that someone else has that we want, this is hard, but the Bible says that we should raise God because they have, so how do we do it? How do we become okay with it? And I really believe, because if we look at the gospel, we look at the fact that Jesus came down to this, earth and he died, and he was buried, and he was resurrected, from he went through that pain and that torture, and then was separated from his Father for you in this world that you should want. Like, Jesus did that for Jesus carried a cross up a hill for you. Jesus had spikes nailed into his hands for you. He was separated from his Father for you. And so if there's really something that you want more than him, there's the key to jealousy. Because if we meditate on the fact that Jesus has already given us everything, there is no way that we should say, Pastor Nick, how do I rejoice with with someone who has what I want? The way you do it is look at what Jesus did for you, and then you can look at them and say, hey, that's okay that you have what I want, because, because I have Jesus. I have everything that I could ever want. Because my Savior, Jesus, came down to this earth. He died for me and just because you have that relationship, or that toy, or that truck, or whatever it is that you are jealous about, there's nothing in the world that is more important than the cure to jealousy found in the Bible. To defeat jealousy is not to change your view of that. In order to defeat jealousy, you're jealous. Of so here's some: as you're looking, first of all, confess your confess it to God and say, "Hey, I've been just like, run to God." for go if you find yourself being jealous, like thank God. And so like if Sir Yoder get a gun, that I, what am I gonna, I'm not going to hate? Like Pastor Yoder get what I want. I'm going to thank God for before that, this isn't what I said, they sold him, what do we learn further about God? In Genesis chapter 50, Joseph is sold into slavery, he goes to Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife tries to get him to inappropriate, and then Potiphar, he's lied to, and Potiphar throws him, in. Joseph spends years in prison, and he's taken out, made seconding, saves Egypt, now he's seconding from his brother's home, and they come to Egypt, and, and they find Joseph there, but they don't know that it's Joseph, and they're... Finally, after a while, Joseph tells him, I said, I'm the one, probably a little scared because, definitely a couple years goes by, Joseph's dad died, and the 10 brothers that sold him into slavery, and they ask him, hey, dad's dead now, you don't have anybody to impress, are you gonna kill us for what we, and Joseph looks at all the time, and he makes one of the most amazing statements. Joseph looks at him and he says, fear not, for I am, for am I in the place of, but as for you, ye thought evil, but God meant it to bring to pass it as it is. Joseph says, look, hey, you, you thought evil against me, you did something that was terrible and awful, but God didn't. God meant So many of you right now know how God could. But if God came selling and not just forgive them for it, but for good, God could for whatever. Forgive So go to Think this. Ask you what? Let's have a reaction.